Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 45. Voting has officially closed for the FCAs. Uh, just before I bring in a co-host here, I just want to thank you. Well, actually, you know what? Hell, screw it, Matt, right? Bring it in here. <laughs> You're in here because it's, it's a thank you from you, me, Pet, um, anyone else that's really helped us with the State of Play podcast, coming on as guests, retweeting, sharing our stuff, our loyal listeners, um, you know, asking and sending in questions for the show, thinking about topics, um, especially Pet's uh, recent video that we have with the Jaden Sancho uh, uh, breakdown and tactics if he goes to Manchester United. Um, really just stay, sticking with us during the quarantine and then just voting mm-hmm. your asses off this whole time, uh, Instagram, on the FCA website itself, on Twitter. We were getting so many hashtags and retweets from friends of, of ours, friends of the podcast, um, just personal family and all that. And it's just uh, mm-hmm. and it's just been so great to see that we have all the support. And uh, it's, it's not going to stop from here. We're going to keep expanding and uh, keep growing and hopefully uh, win the award come November. Yeah, a massive thank you. I know Martino did a great job kind of tying everything together, but um, a massive thank you for all the support, the votes. Uh, we've gotten a ton of loyal listeners throughout the from the beginning to this part uh, of the podcast journey for us. And, you know, I, I obviously don't have the names off the top of my head to, get, to give those a shout out, but just know we do recognize it and we feel that, you know, we've created a uh, podcast experience between uh, Martino, Pet, and myself that's become not just our podcast, but everyone's podcast to come for, you know, various football content, discussion, debate, um, some profiles. And we had some really great, great, great guests who also see the value in this project. So thank you guys so much for voting for us throughout the entire process. We won't know what the results are until the actual time of the event, which is set to take place in late November or mid-November. So we'll have to kind of keep you on a string with that. Um, there's a good possibility that maybe me and Martino will join Pet um, in London at the event. I think it's set to take place at Tottenham, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which would be a very exciting uh, time for everyone. So just keep your eyes um, and ears uh, open to what we're working on at, at State of Play Pod on Twitter. And of course, yeah, once again, we really do just thank you guys so much for, for sticking with us throughout the entire quarantine episodes and um, for, for this entire journey. It's been a real blast for us. Yeah, um, ton of fun. We had a we had a lot of great guests and even just the basic episode podcast where it was just you, myself, mm-hmm. um, and Pet at times. Um, we really appreciate everyone that came on and uh, helped grow this podcast into what it was and to like, you know, a mini, a mini relaunch. Um, so speaking of relaunching, Premier League's back. Um, Pet did not have a good week. That's exactly why he's not on today. No, I'm kidding. That's not why he's not on. Um, yeah, Arsenal, man, look, that's. I don't think you could have drawn up a worse return to the Premier League than you had for Arsenal, right? I mean, Manchester City Arsenal game was just a thumping. Didn't even look like Arsenal belonged on the same field. Um, you would have had a feeling too, like the the first team you see coming out of the, like a three month. They lost. A, they lost like, to Brentford three to two. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the exhibition match, I know you can't really take too much from that. Um, in general, but you just knew it. Like you knew it was going to be like it's like you didn't you have like for you know we'll talk about like Milan Spurs, having like bro. Lecce and yeah and having some of these teams having like a little bit more of like a lighter opponent where it's like okay like. You know, we can we we can kind of ease into this game and kind of you know try and eventually dictate the, the actual tempo. But you know, when you talk about you know Arsenal kind of getting like hey, right off the bat, you're getting City, who like yeah, they're not going to win the title again. It's going to be Liverpool's but they're back collapse. 
And, and but one of the at the same time, the gap is so big. Is exactly, you know, City City are still a team that's very much a force. They're a big threat with Pep Guardiola and all about you know all the great players they have. Kevin LeBron has been sensational this year. Um, Raheem Sterling, they, Aguero, they they can beat you so many different ways. So for Arsenal to get that, I think Pep was like, you know, he was uh, you know cringing. You know, he's like, oh no, please let not not this be a, a a disaster. And sure enough, here comes David Luiz, and um, he ensured it was a disaster for Arsenal. Uh, Bonehead mistakes, uh, bad defending. He kind of looked like a secret agent for Chelsea, honestly, in the back. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's Arsenal and Milan. Uh, it's an Arsenal-Milan-dominated podcast in terms of the panel. And as of right now, Milan looked to be the better team out of the, out of the break. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, – we're talking about actually the, the less painful match for Arsenal because we all <laughs> – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that was that – was, what a way to lose for Arsenal. I mean – Losing your goalkeeper Leno in the first half to an injury, That's and tough, then yeah. in, in the 90th That's minute, it was it was a real Milan win. So we felt the pain there. Pet thought I was messing with him when I said I'm so sorry that that happened towards the end of us uh, our regulation. So unfortunately for Arsenal, they have zero points out of uh, a possible six since returning. Um, definitely in jeopardy for a Europa League spot. But we're going to be uh, on the tail for that for, for the remainder of the Premier League season. But the more important race is the, is the race for fourth. We're going to just hit on a few teams, uh, two of the teams played against each other in, in Spurs and United. But before we get into that, I think we should get into the Chelsea match. Um, Chelsea being Villa, um, I, I, thought, I thought it was a pretty, pretty solid game all around from Chelsea. I don't think there was like utter domination throughout the, mm-hmm. the whole match. I, th- I definitely think they had their opportunities. You could see some of the rust there. Espelicheta, yeah. uh, I thought, had a good game. Uh, but the substitutes by Lampard were just spot on. I was calling for Pulisic to come in um, as well. You could just tell that Ruben Loftus-Cheek just didn't have it. Um, Mason Mount was playing well. Uh, and this was like a quintessential. Conte looked very sharp too. Yes, Conte did. I was about to say it's a quintessential Olivier Giroud match where you see the value of what he brings to a team. Um, Because a lot of the time, you know, people like to give him a lot of, you know, crap because he doesn't always have the goal-scoring output that you would want from from one of your forwards. Uh, You know, they they give him a lot of trash too for the 2018 World Cup, not scoring a goal on that. You know, that's not what it's all about a lot of the time. It's about creating space, um, opportunities for others, um, work rate. Um, He brings all of that to the Mm -hmm. table, and that's something you could always rely on. So it was nice to see that for him. Um, Look, Americans, Christian Pulisic scoring, man. Look, it's great. as you know, Chelsea's going to be looking to bring in a lot of guys, and, and you don't know where he might get lost in the whole rotation of everything. Um, but he's there. He scored on one of his first touches in the match. So I thought he looked great, and uh, three points was huge for Chelsea, especially considering the result of the Spurs and United match. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. What were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was refreshing to see Pulisic um, you know, come on and make an incident, have an incident impact uh, for Chelsea. I think there's been a little bit of doubt, you know, amongst all these rumors swirling about of how much a revolution Chelsea's looking to undergo in the summer. You know, they got Lampard, you know, they could be in position to be a top four team and, and make the Champions League, you know, after it looking very much grim, you know, without, when the whole transfer ban was, was intact and they couldn't make the necessary moves. Yet here they are in a position where in two months' time we can be talking about a team who's qualified for the Champions League, has a really promising young project built with a lot of young players under Frank Lampard. And then you have guys like Timo Werner already solidified for next season. 
Ben Chilwell looks like he's probably going to follow him on the way. And also that's not been finalized, but it looks like it's they're they're kind of uh, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the lead for him. Kai Havertz a little bit more of a tougher one, but I'm not going to say that they're not heading. I think there's a lot of ambition behind this project at Chelsea. And I think that's very intriguing for a young player like Kai Havertz. Although of course, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid lurk. I think that Chelsea fans, you have to be very, very encouraged by what you've seen. I think at this point in time of the season, it's been an un, uh, untraditional type of season for football in general, for you know, life in general. So if you can kind of piece it together, it may not look, be the uh, most intriguing and sexy looking football. And, and the results may, it may not come as easy as you would like against certain op- oppositions, especially like a team like Aston Villa, who's uh, towards the bottom of the table and fighting for survival. But I think nevertheless, if you're a Chelsea fan looking up at where your position is at this point in time, I think you got to be encouraged. you got to be pretty pleased. And also with looking towards the future that, you know, things are turning around. There's there's a brighter days ahead. There's a team that could be on the rise to, you know, maybe not be right there for City and Liverpool for a title next season. But I think at the same time are kind of trending in the direction where they're starting to kind of maybe separate themselves or be on the rise to be another title contender and one of the better teams once again, like I think many believe they can be. So overall, Chelsea, a good weekend for them. Uh, Once again, Pulisic, uh, a a big morale lifting goal for him. I think there was a lot of discussion about the fee they paid for him, you know, what his expectations were, what the public perception was of him um, in the eyes of, you know, North American media, North American, um, you know, soccer media, right? Everyone's kind of, you know, christening him as, you know, the, the bit that generate this generation's best talent for, for us soccer. So to see him kind of, you know, easing his way in producing and uh, coming up, coming up well for, for Lampard, I think it definitely is, is positive and something that, you know, everyone can get behind, but, you know, I think there's um, a, a lot to be, uh, you know, coming this way for this, this Chelsea project overall. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for them. I think they kind of give off the best vibe that isn't from a Liverpool city. Um, Leicester is having a great season, no doubt about it. Not going. To- it feels less chaotic. Like United yeah. feels like they're like always some sort of crazy thing with like the attackers. Is Pog going to stay or go? Is the manager going to get sacked? Is he get a long term solution? Like mm-hmm. defensively, what's going on back there? Chelsea seems like they're. Yes, it's not like okay, we're going to be a title contender right away. We're going to splash a ton of money. But I think when you look at the structure and overall outlook of their team and you look at who could possibly be coming in and you look at the projected lineups, because I know that's been floating around quite a bit also, you start to see like what's taking shape and it looks really, really calculated and well thought out on their part. Yeah, um, they're going position by position now. Yeah. Um, it's not really uh, just names that they're grabbing uh, on top of it. So uh, good for Chelsea. Um, they're going to keep the ball rolling there. But let's talk about the real um, important and, and headliner match of the week, Spurs versus United. Man, Sp- like Spurs, this is just such a Spurs thing for them to happen. Just like the whole chronological timeline <laughs> of this with – you know, Spurs returning, everyone's back and healthy. There's like a decent vibe that they could come and get this uh, fourth place to try and get back into the Champions League. Um, they're not that far out. Deli Ali suspended, making stupid comments about COVID 19. So he's out for this game. United, you know, don't don't really. They're kind of on the fence that they're starting Pogba or not. They're they're pretty confident that he's going to get some minutes. Spurs go up one nothing. 
Next thing you know, United get a penalty. There were shouts for a second one. That wasn't a penalty, though, uh, by any stretch of the mean. They tied up Bruno Fernandes' goal. Paul Pogba really made an impact coming off the bench. They draw. Definitely a much better result if you're Manchester United than Spurs because Spurs needed a win a lot more than Manchester United did. But, look, getting a point there to stay to stay in somewhat of the hunt for fourth place for United, um, all things considered, you know, look, fifth place is – Fifth place is pretty solid for them. i got to be honest with you. I, I really didn't see this coming from them. I mean, there's still quite a few games left, so we'll see what happens. Um, you never know if Leicester will stumble or, or Chelsea for, for, some, um, for some reason. Uh, so, so we'll see that. Uh, but for me, I think this was definitely a better result for United, uh, despite it being a draw, than it was for Spurs. Uh, what did you really take from this? Do you, do, you th- do you think Spurs played well enough? Can they build off of this, or is this kind of – not crippling, but it but it definitely hurts them a lot moving forward for the, for the race for fourth. I think the races for fourth is it's just a dogfight, right? I think you know you kind of look at in many ways like the Serie A table, right? There's some pair of comparisons to draw, right? It looks kind of like you know who the three to four teams are going to be, but there's like a little bit of a window there for fourth that someone can maybe jump in. That's otherwise, you know, if they go on a hot streak and they they can find a way to put it together and piece piece a good stretch together they can find themselves in and you know when if you're looking to achieve that you know matches where you feel like you have the upper hand or you're in control of it to let them slip away it's uh has to be frustrating i think it definitely a tough tough one to take for uh, tottenham no doubt you know they've been a little bit up and down with the whole um, jose Mourinho experience so far i think jose Mourinho has done a pretty decent job it's it's tough for him to come in mid-season it's tough for any manager to come in mid-season and be expected to turn the whole project around. But I want to talk about more about what I saw from Manchester United and specifically Paul Pogba. I think Paul Pogba was fantastic in this game. There was a huge layoff between um, the last time we saw him take the pitch. And sure enough, in this match, it was exactly what United fans uh, expected when they, when, when the club bought him right some years ago from Juventus for a then record fee, you know, being able to spray the ball quickly, you know, settle the ball. There was a one pass that went viral. He pretty much you know, took it off his chest, quickly turned around and sprayed a ball right onto Rashford's foot in stride. Like, this guy has everything in the arsenal. It's never been a matter or question of whether or not he has the talent, the ability. I think it's always been one of those things where, you know, he's kind of been mishandled in terms of where he's positioned what his ultimate best role is, which I, in my opinion is more, more going forward when he's able to create, you know, use his physical self, his, his, his vision, his overall just well-rounded skill set to dictate and to ultimately um, have its impact on the game. And what I saw from him coming off the bench um, and you know, combining with a guy like Bruno Fernandes, I think it really bodes well for them. I think, you know, look, in many cases, you know, you can look at, in many ways, you can draw some parallels between some of these teams like a United and a Milan, right? You know, where they have some players, they have some pieces that you can say, okay, like they got something here. They do need help. There's no question about that, right? But I think if you're looking at Man United's project overall and where they are right now, I think it's something that they got to build on. There's some mistakes from Harry Maguire that you look at and you're like, how is this guy, why is this guy worth the, what he was worth? Um, you know, and you just kind of wonder like year to year, can Man United get it right on the market? Because I think they always seem to kind of get the one piece, but maybe the other piece doesn't follow. Bruno Fernandes is a great addition. There's no disputing that. Paul Pogba still looks like maybe he could stay, although again, he maybe has one foot out the door. So, you know, Man United, yes, they'll take the, they'll take the point here. No doubt about it. I think, you know, that's ultimately you can't expect to have your best, most pristine and fine tuned result 
and performance, you know, coming out of a stoppage like we just had. But nevertheless, I think it's going to be telling to see how certain clubs build out of this position, right? I think, you know, you look at teams like, um, you know, City and, and Liverpool, like they look like they seem like they're kind of well prepared to have a good, strong finish the rest of the season. And other teams, you kind of have to take it day by day and see ultimately how they fare the rest of the way. But I think it's going to be really fascinating chase, nonetheless, for that, that fourth position. Um, and I just think it's going to make it that much more appealing to kind of spread out and, and broaden your horizons if you're someone who's just strictly Calcio, uh, you know, you know, based. And if you're someone who's strictly just into Bundesliga, expand and see what other chases are out there because, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of uh, intrigue between some of these races for uh, European spots. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for the rest of the season to unfold. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, um, especially with all the big-name teams in the hunt for this. You know, it's not like kind of uh, the other, you know, smaller teams. Like, I enjoy watching Sheffield United. I appreciate what they what they do and, and the system that they play in, but um, I'm just not convinced that they could have the goal-scoring output to put them over the hump. Uh, in order to move forward. Um, so, yeah, another great race um, across the board in this league that we haven't really seen in a little while is La Liga. Now, La Liga has been so fascinating. We've had multiple people come on the show and discuss, um, you know, just the broad outlook of the league in itself. And we did it months ago, before the COVID break, before the January transfer window, and then after that as well. Um, Zach Lowy, I think we had on, he was saying how he liked Real Madrid to win the league a while back. Um, I've pegged Real Madrid to win the league for, for a while now. Um, for me, it just, there's something about Barca that just doesn't sit right with me in this team. They're dealing with some more injuries. Griezmann has very messy well. dependent. It's exactly. And we saw it earlier in the season when Messi was missing some time in Barcelona, just, like you see all the, all the memes of uh, Milan as in like, this whatever club or player after they leave or retire. And it's just a picture of the Milan badge. And we've become a meme again. I thought this one's been pretty funny, but nonetheless, Real Madrid end up taking um, the, the tie differential over for first place in La Liga. As of now, um, Barca drew against Sevilla zero zero. We saw Real Madrid win yesterday, two to one against Sociedad. Look, Real Madrid, man, they got so they're so deep. You see Marcos Asensio come back. Uh, him scoring that goal is just fantastic to see. Benzema really seems like he's in form. Hazard has really um, adapted well since coming back. Vinicius Junior, what can you, I love this mm-hmm. kid, man? I think he's a superstar in the making. If he's not already in talent, I know. I think everyone agrees. Rodrigo too. Valverde in the midfield. They like, have. They, they just they have. have it all. They have a lot of pe- They have a lot of pieces that you know give. Uh, you get, you kind of get this idea of that they're just like post Ronaldo. Like there was a lot of like grim and like very like concerned about, okay, what's the future hold. Right. Because I think when you have, you know, Ronaldo at your team, it's your, he's the focal point. Right. But then you ultimately look at like who else is around him and you have still Benzema. I think he has like, what, 10 seasons of 20 plus goals. Uh, that's, that's unheard of. Like that's, um, he's a model of consistency and a striker that just continues to produce. And he's going to go down as one of the all time greats at Real Madrid in terms of what he's achieved personally and the, the team accolades he's uh, been a part of, but Eden Hazard, it was, is finally looking to be like, okay, like we're getting maybe the, the, the best version of Hazard this season we can and then you kind of put all the pieces in, in place and you look at why Real Madrid fans um, and even just people on the outside looking in about what, what the future holds for Real Madrid and Barca, the two main whales of, of La Liga. And look, 
they're a team that they, yes, they obviously are probably going to still spend where they can. Kai Havertz would be a, a fantastic addition if they can get something like that done. But nevertheless, it, you know, between them and Barcelona, Barcelona just look like a team that it's, it's everyone's kind of looking to Messi, like, Messi, you're going to do something like bail us out, help us out here. And in many cases, he's capable of doing that. But in certain matches where he's just not the same player, or he's just not, like not as um, you know impactful, they seem to just kind of like crumble, and they just don't know how else to kind of respond. And that was a perfect example of, of what I saw from their, their their previous match. And look, I think maybe that's something that you, if you're kind of going back to the Ronaldo Messi debate, which one's you know who's the better player, who's more valuable? I think Messi's been carrying Barcelona for such a long time that I think in this season is probably that one season where everyone's like, wow, like they may like, we're starting to see kind of what the, the future holds. And I, from those I've talked to who are Barcelona fans who cover the league, they are very much concerned about what the future holds for this project because so much has been invested in guys like Usman Dembele who can't stay healthy when he's healthy. He looks like a really promising young player. Can't stay on the field. You have uh, Antoine Griezmann. He just doesn't seem to mesh that mesh quite well. Spent a ton of money on him. I think they maybe need something in that 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 position that's a little bit different uh, from from Anton Griezmann. There seems to be like an overlap or overstepping of kind of duties, if you will. Um, and then you even look at Felipe Coutinho. Like, so it's not even just so much their style of play. It's the fact that like some of the the market moves they've made just don't seem to be hitting and firing on all cylinders and. That's what I think you're kind of look, going to look at the future for Barcelona and really kind of wonder what's coming next. But the window that is definitely there for Real Madrid to step in and and take control of this title race, especially if Barcelona keep delivering the way they are in terms of their overall performances, bar Messi. Yeah, um, I think writing's on the wall for them. I I really do. There's just something about that vibe in Barcelona, opposite of what we're talking about when we bring up the Chelsea's of the world and the Real Madrid's of the world. Doesn't seem like this clear cut plan they're just buying names and they're just plugging them in and like even with the Dembele thing now it's like over 300 million euros spent on three guys to try and fix a roster that really has multiple holes around it in my opinion especially moving forward it just there's there's something about it I think they could eventually figure it out but they need to get someone competent in that um office with with the technical director staff and and all the scouting involved because as of right now if they're keeping this if they're still moving forward like this i i don't see how much longer it's going to last post messi because this is just it's just not a way to operate a football club and and it could be devastating i think barca will always be okay because of all the money that they'll have they're still going to have that name and that brand but in terms of dominating competing for trebles almost every single year it might take a little bit of a hiatus uh for a bit um look champions league race as well for this is going to be exciting atletico has been playing pretty solid since uh coming back from the break now they're picking up a bunch of points they moved into third place sevilla uh drew today as we're recording this so they're back and forth they got they got a pretty decent um lead over katafu who is in fifth place so tell me i i think this is how it might finish for the rest of the season there's only around seven to eight games left per per team um, for me, I think it's just going to be the exact order that we have right now. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico, and then you go to Sevilla there. Maybe maybe Sevilla can be had. They, they haven't been picking up all three points like they would have liked. But 
yeah, I mean, this is going to definitely be a fun race, and, and I think it's something to look forward to, especially if you're a Milan fan as well. I know, I know we bring that up. Uh, I want to keep it to Atletico, but if uh, Sevilla does get into the Champions League, that means they trigger Suso's uh, clause there. Um, Atletico, look, I, th- I think the break was much needed. I know they had that huge uh, win over Liverpool advancing in the Champions League, and they got a real shot to win that because that defense can play any day of the week, and that's going to be a difficult matchup for anyone there. But, like, tell me about it. I think Jao Felix looks uh, much improved um, from what he was a few months ago. And I think that the the younger stars, like the Vinicius Juniors of the world, like even if you want to bring up a Benacer, um, you know, all these other young studs, I think this break has helped them out mentally as well as physically because they could learn from some mistakes that they were making in their first kind of full season at a top-flight club, uh, especially like Jao Felix at Atletico. So I've been pretty impressed by him. Nice job by Atletico picking up all these points and scoring goals there. Um, what do you make of this Champions League race? It's interesting, right? And it's it's also fun to have so many of these top leagues like wide open and there's a lot to play for down the stretch. I think we're so used to seeing like it just being like Real Madrid, Barcelona, the league's already wrapped up. We're kind of a two-horse race. Obviously, we know the league, they always seem to have it kind of sorted out by March. Um, you know, Serie A always seems to kind of be the last couple weeks. So the fact that this race specifically has so many like fresh faces in terms of new clubs like Getafe, um, even Villarreal, just to name just to name a few. But you know, Sevilla, you get back to them, right? Obviously, you know, fans are watching that with close eyes uh, to see if they that, that option is going to be picked up uh, by Ansuso by way of the qualification for Sevilla. I I I do wonder, you know, what the rest of the season holds for um, Atletico Madrid. And look, I think for me, when I look at their squad, their squad speaks to a team that should be right neck and neck with the top two teams, in my opinion. I think they're obviously always always really well coached. They have the talent top to bottom. They have the leadership. They have the, more importantly, like the kind of the Atletico um, ethos, if you will, from like the players. Like when you look at them play, like they had a great performance against Liverpool. You knocked out the Champions League, you know, the former Champions League champions, right? So the fact that they kind of have all these kind of things aligning and you're starting to see Jao Felix maybe turn the corner. I know there was some, uh, not criticism, but there was like some questions raised about, you know, well, it, how much does he really fit, right? Because I think Diego Simeone always tends to run a more like defensive sort of squad. Um, the fact that Joe Felix is maybe being unshackled and he can kind of be more released into being a more creative player, doing all the things that he did at Benfica before his move to uh, to Spain, I think that's something that's very exciting. To, exciting, and you know, this is a league or a sport, shall I say, um, that has a lot of young talent. And I think Joe Felix is one of those names at the top of the list that fans want to see more of and see more of what they're capable of. So Joe Felix is definitely going to be a focus for us. But um, yeah, I think the, the overall race is again for three-fourths specifically, is definitely open. And, you know, there's, again, it just makes it that much more uh, fascinating to watch the rest of the way that some of these leagues are, are not going to be decided until the last probably couple weeks. Yeah, um, I, it's definitely going to be really exciting. And I, and I love when races like this go towards the end. And I love, um, you know, bringing in more of the American audience or the audience that doesn't really follow a lot of these leagues as closely because there has been a huge market over here in America since there has not been American sports that have been on TV. So they're kind of getting into everything. They think it's always about the title race, the title race. Although that might be true a good part of the time, there's still so many other things that are so important and something that 
correlates to what I'm saying is the Bundesliga. So all the games are going to be finishing up, especially in the season this Saturday. Gladbach has Hertha Berlin um, in their matchup. Um, look, I don't really see them slipping up against them. Hertha's really kind of an inconsistent side. Bayern has Mainz. That kind of – Bayern Leverkusen, excuse me, have Mainz. Mainz inconsistent, not really a good team. Leverkusen should be the favorite in that. They're both the favorites there. I, I don't know. Leipzig against Augsburg. I don't see Leipzig finishing this up um, or slipping up in this scenario. I, I don't know. I think it's going to finish his stance because Leverkusen need the win and, and Gladbach need to lose. I just don't see Gladbach losing. Man. I, I don't. I, I know they lost two of their last three, but Hertha's lost three straight. I I don't see a scenario in which which this this can be attained, and it's pretty big moving forward because Gladbach is going to be the ones that will be bringing in some players. For Leverkusen, you're most likely going to be losing Havertz, but if you do keep Havertz by any chance that no one wants to pay up for that price, then what are you kind of looking at, right? Because at that point, it's, re- it's really not that great because you're missing out on that Champions League money. You're really only going to be able to recoup so much from Havertz, like, you're going to have less leverage in conversations when Havertz is going to leave because he's not going to be playing in Champions League football, right? He's going to be want to be pushing for that Champions League football. So they're definitely going to be forced to sell, in my opinion, if they if they don't get Champions League because um, his value might just drop simply because of the competition uh, factor. Yeah, look, I, I, I think it's going to be an entertaining last day. I think the results, barring some miracle, are going to be staying where they're at, but... Anything to ex, uh, expect or look forward to? You think Timo Werner is going to play? I, I'm not too sure if he will at this point, right? Because if Leipzig feels confident in wrapping this up, uh, that might be it for him when we've seen him play his last game for Leipzig. Well, with the Bundesliga, the way the West, the chase for European spots is shaping up once again, 3-4, there's, uh, there's quite a bit to play for on the final match day. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a very much a deep pack. Bundesliga has... Definitely become a league that's deeper than just Bayern Munich. I know they kind of have a, a similar monopoly to Juve on the league. I understand that. But Dortmund have obviously had been fantastic. Uh, RB Leipzig usually play a really good, aesthetically pleasing style of football. You know, you have Mucci and Gladbach, who have been just a really refreshing young side to watch, especially with Taram, um, you know, doing what he's been doing. And then you look at the, the Leverkusen, the Schalke's, you know, there's, there's a lot of deep um, talent teams in this, in this chase for European spots. But, you know, bear in mind, you know, the seventh place team gets, you know, if you finish seventh, you get into, you get into the Europa League out of this, out of the Bundesliga. So, you know, there, there is, again, there's, there is going to be a little bit of a, a major dash on the final match day, in my opinion, to see who kind of rounds out the top, you know, seven clubs bar just what we're, we're focusing on, which tend, we often tend to focus more on the Champions League and where those teams are placed. But, you know, the Bundesliga is going to have a lot to play for on, on, on the, uh, the final match day. And I know, you know when we had your know, previous guest on, Derek, Derek Ray, and who's done a great job kind of just giving us the, kind of the updates, the ins and outs of what's going on week to week in the Bundesliga. Um, and Manuel Veth, you know, we've been kind of tracking the Bundesliga since it's restart. It's the first league that kind of got up and running. And there's been a lot of excitement behind it. So I think that's only going to, it's only fitting that it kind of finishes like that the rest of the way, which is going to make for a great finale, uh, finale on the weekend. But yeah, it, it's going to be, 
intriguing to see if they do put Timo Werner out there, whether it be for, you know, maybe like half the game um, or most of the game, depending on the kind of the way it goes. And then maybe give him like a, a mini standing ovation. I know there's no fans there, but kind of give him like a proper send off um, on his way to Chelsea. But, you know, it, it definitely uh, has been a joy to watch this league and the, the, the chase take shape the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree as well um, in that regard. So I can't wait for that to finish up. Saturday should be very entertaining in terms of watching that Champions League race unfold there. So let's move over to Italy, right? Serie A also came back this past weekend. We saw quite a few teams in action as of right now. Juve is up 2 to nothing over Bologna. So pretty good result for them so far. Cristiano Ronaldo scored the penalty. Paulo Dybala, great curler into the top corner. I think he's by far been Juve's best player since they have returned um, from the break. Disappointing two Coppa Italia games. Like, let's face it, they got outplayed in both games. And even though they drew 0-0 to Milan, like, to be up a man like Juve was and to not score at all, not get many good looks, it was kind of disappointing. They lose on penalties to Napoli in the Coppa Italia. But then, again, like I try to tell people all the time, and a lot of people do know this. It's not like I'm saying anything, like, out of the ordinary here. Juve is not going to lose or blow anything until we actually see it happen. And I know it's lazy. I know people might like kind of scoff at at that statement, but it's just a fact. Like you're not going to see them slip up until they actually do. Right. Like we saw Napoli beat them right when Koulibaly scored that goal. And we thought that's it. We've seen the end of Juve's reign. This is finally when they lose. Napoli also mess up on their turn. Juve end up winning their couple of games. What do you know, Juve still haven't lost a Scudetto race since Milan won back in 2011, right? We're looking at the same thing right now. Juve up, they score their points. I mean, as of right now, Inter's six points behind them, but looking like this, it'll probably go back up to nine. Lazio's going to come back and play, and we talked about this when we had Janusz Mikhailik on a few months ago, Matt. Lazio does not benefit as much as some of these other teams from this break. They needed to ride that hot hand. Now, can they come back and still, you know, produce at the same high level? I think there's been enough evidence that they're capable of doing that and performing well when play resumes. Uh, maybe not to the level as Atalanta did because they look flawless without Ilicic. But for Lazio, man, I think for, for me, I have them as my biggest question mark. And it's not to say they don't have a chance at the title. I still think they have a fighter's chance. 12 games is a lot of games left, and anything can happen in that regard. I'm just. I'm just a little skeptical because Lazio haven't been in this position with this core ever. And it's been a long time since they won anything. Can Simone Inzaghi channel something within that squad that they can come up and beat the mighty Juve? Because they also don't have a ton of depth. So that's going to be an issue when they're going to have to be making these five substitutes and when these other top games are coming up. I don't know. I I think I actually genuinely think I like Inter to finish second over Lazio when play resumes just because of the whole Conte players getting tired out towards the end of the season, but they've had a few months break now and they look pretty damn sharp uh, yesterday against Sampdoria, even though they should have had more. I I don't know. I think it's going to be really compelling to see what happens, but for me, it it just feels like it's still Juve's to lose. Juventus are still the favorites. I think, you know, the, obviously the table speaks to that. Um, their reputation has to be respected as team that's been running this league for the better part of the past decade. 
Um, and, and of course, they do have Ronaldo in there who's scoring goals, whether it be penalties. I know people are going to maybe dog me on that. Ronaldo uh, fanboys are going to dog me on that. But uh, when you have a player like him who can score and he can score often and he can be um, the player that carries your team through some really difficult periods. Of course, we saw um, their, how they bowed out of the Copa Italia final. It wasn't a good look. They didn't look well at all. Um, there has been a lot of question marks about whether or not Sarri is going to be the coach. But I think if we're just talking about the rest of the season um, in a nutshell and what the rest of the season projects to be, I think they're still the favorites. You still got to respect their veteran presence. They're, you know, Bonucci, Chiellini, um, Wojtek Szczesny is a great goalkeeper. He's become one of the best in the league. You know, the midfield obviously still, you know, leaves much to be desired. But overall, you have guys like Dybala and Ronaldo playing the way they are and playing in such harmonizing fashion. I think there's, until they're knocked off their perch, they've got to be respected. And for all the good that Lazio has done this year, the fact that the matter is, is, we really don't know how they're going to be handled. It's a very difficult, precarious situation for any club to be in at this point in time because we've seen some teams struggle out of the break. We've seen some teams like Atalanta, for instance, look like the same team. So overall, you know, their first match back right now, of course, as we're recording here, Juventus are ahead of Bologna 2-0, as Martino alluded to. But, you know, the first match or two is going to be very telling to see because that can ultimately decide, you know, their fate. Right. If a team like Juve wins and they they're separate themselves by nine points from Inter, but then you have like Lazio who maybe draw or they slip up and they lose, if you can lose the title like that, and it, as strange as it sounds, I know twelve games is a lot and it definitely is. And Juventus have been um, definitely not as convincing as they have in previous years. They are a team that they can be a little streaky, and when you have teams like Lazio and Inter who haven't been as battle tested, maybe. I know they maybe have the personnel that has experience to pull something like this off, but all it takes is one slip up or two slip ups, you know, out of this restart for your title title hopes to be dwindling and ultimately vanish from your grasp. And look, we saw it several years ago when it was Juve Napoli for the title, right? One slip up at the end by Napoli, they lost the title. That was it, right? So, uh, you know, there's still a lot to play for. That once again, that first game back is always very much crucial because you want to be able to get that first one back. It's like when you start the season, right? It's almost like a mini new season, right? When you start the season, you want to get get that first win in the column. Okay, now we have something to start on a fresh note or in a positive direction. Let's carry this this momentum over. Enter, again, although it was a, a little bit more of a nervy result in terms of what they produced on the field, um, they should be you know, well-rested. I think Matteo Bonetti uh, alluded to this um, you know, on Twitter in that you know, historically a lot of Antonio Conte's sides tend to kind of uh, flame out at the end of the season because of his, his rigorous training regimens and his sessions. But with that sort of a layoff in between this, um, I think that really bodes well for a team that it has been overworked. You saw Lukaku and Lothar Martinez look really well playing uh, some really good cohesive football up front. Christian uh, they, they seem to be on the same amazing. page. Christian Harrison too. And there was a little bit of like a, a little, not a concern, but people were asking, well, where does he fit exactly? Oh, yeah. Right. You know, cause yeah. if they play a three, five, two is, you know, Brozovic, he has, so everyone kind of knows him as more of like a number 10, someone who's a little bit more forward. So, you know, I'm sure Inter fans were delighted to see him play well and have such an impact. Um, even if it was against Samp, but you know, look, these three teams are the cream of the crop. They're the teams that are in the title hunt. Obviously Juventus are the favorites, but you know, these couple matches out of the gate are going to be very much telling the rest of the way because let's face it, 
you know, in a strange way, yes, the Copa Juve lost in the Copa Italia, but the focus becomes securing the league, which again, they're at the top of the table right now, and in a Champions League format. Now, they still have to overturn that against Lyon, right, from the quarterfinals on, which we're going to talk about and do probably next, is that the format's a single game elimination from here on out in the Champions League, and it's played on neutral ground, if I'm correct, in Lisbon. So a lot of things are are kind of you know, different now. And look, if a team like Juve, as I just mentioned, can get streaky and they can say, hey, we're finally attacking, our midfield is somewhat better. All it takes is for you to get a, it could be hot for a month or a month and a half, like we see in other sports like baseball or football, for instance, American football, where as long as you just get in and you get a little streaky for a couple of weeks, you can find yourself with, with the winner's medal or that you're lifting the trophy. So until Juventus are knocked off their perch, I think they have to be respected as the favorites right now, but Lazio and Inter for sure cannot be written off. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, hopefully Napoli can make it somewhat of a chase for, for the fourth spot. I know they're 12 points out of Atalanta. I don't see Atalanta. Atalanta are just, they're just, they're just absolutely unbelievable. They're just like um, one of those like well-oiled they, machines like that. You have, just watch they, and they don't skip a beat. Look terrible though. Their defense looked awful. Oh, Sassuolo no. should have put in way more goals. Than of the, course, but in terms in terms of their way they attack, of course, yeah, no, no, the goal scoring output. You didn't even have Zapata play a whole match. You didn't have Ilicic for this match as well. They could have had six easy. I thought that one of their goals that was overturned for a handball was absolutely ridiculous. Again, but Serie, they don't stop with this dumbass. Ugh, it's so stupid. This handball rule doesn't make any sense. Because it has his arm up against his body. Where's he supposed to put it? Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, he te- like where's his arm supposed to go? He has to be by his side like a robot all the time? Like, get out of here. It's so dumb. But it didn't matter for them. Um, I think Napoli will end up finishing fifth. I don't really see Roma staying um, in that position. I think there's just too much chaos going on with Roma. I, I, really, I really don't like the vibe over there. I could even see them falling behind Milan if Milan keep up pace. Um, that's, that's what I think about them. But – We'll be talking about Champions League now, right? You alluded to it. You talked a little bit about it. We know half of the games that have finished up in the round of 16. So some of these teams are through. The Atleticos of the world um, and Atalanta. Matt, this format really makes this competition fascinating. Like, this, anybody can be had in this. Like, Atalanta, you're telling me Atalanta can't beat one any of these teams like PSG, a city, uh, which they played pretty well against in the group stage. Um, the Bayern Munichs of the world, like they absolutely can hang with them and they can beat them. And when it's a one-all game in football, like this, could, this can happen. We can see a first-time winner that we would not expect for the first time. Juve, not in a great situation. I think the Juve tie with Lyon. I think Barcelona-Napoli tie is, is interesting as well. Those two teams, Juve and Barca, don't have that home field advantage that they would usually have at the Camp Nou and at the J State. Like, Juve didn't score any away goals. Um, you have Barcelona, it's 1-1. Napoli absolutely needs to score. There's, there's no doubt about it. But we know Napoli on their best day can beat anybody. They beat Liverpool. They've beaten Juve. They, they play really well against a lot of teams. I think they beat Lazio as well. Like, they are there. They have an opportunity for this. And then once you get to that and you go into the single elimination of the quarterfinals, it's, the semi It's just like America. It's, it's American football, right? This, this mm-hmm. entire domestic season has – it's just 
it's different. It's unique to anything we've ever seen, right? Um, you know, the fact that, you know, it's, you have to, you have to uh, move a little differently and how you have to navigate the rest of the way, right? So if you're a team like Atletico Madrid, who um, we saw last year against Juve, right? They had that great dominant performance at home where they, they, you know, they scored the goals, they were up, and then they tried to sit in their shell um, at Allianz Stadium against Juve, and they were picked apart for three goals. Can you, can you imagine Barcelona again? Barcelona, right. Barcelona, right. Barcelona lose on the second leg right before they get to the chance to just single eliminate. Like, single elimination is perfect for them, but they lose for the last time on the second leg. Like, you know how it's the memes that would come out for that? It's, it's you know what it is, too, and it's, it's one of those things where it's – Anything can happen in the sport. Like that's why we play. The, that's why everyone plays the game. Everyone's ninety minutes, regardless if you're a team that has a budget of fifteen or fifty million, and if your budget the team has a budget of five hundred million, you still got to play the game on the field. And we've seen how many upsets can occur. And I think it's more more so possible in a, in a, a winner go home because you have to kind of leave it out on the field. There's no looking to you know. Well, you know, maybe if we defend here and we can go you know, return to our, to return to our home ground and, and, you know, play a little more attacking and vice versa. Like you have to bring like your best game plan, your best blueprint and tactical approach to that match day to win and move on and progress. So, you know, to your point, it, it does open up the, it open up, it opens up the um, opportunity for maybe, you know, the field, the field in, uh, not including the Bayerns or, you know, the, some of the, you know, the, the cream, of the crop, the big giant team to win this maybe this is the year that PSG finally do it right you know they obviously saw what they, they did against Barcelona several years ago and then they had that big massive collapse in that second leg there's no there's no additional psychological and that that kind of that okay we have a we have an advantage now you got to wait a week or two weeks to play that next game and then kind of circles around in your head it's like we got to play this game and we got to bring our best game to here to move on it's a winner go home and the winner go home sometimes tends to really kind of play um, in favor of those teams like, you know, like an Atalanta or a Napoli who, once again, if you can get streaky, right? And Napoli playing pretty well. Under Frankie the, de Jong. So, Frankie de Jong is going to be injured. Frankie de Jong's injured. Vidal suspended. At the same time, this is where you have players like Ronaldo and Messi where, look, if, if you find a way to get into the quarterfinals, we've seen Ronaldo plenty of times over two-legged fixtures. You know, dominate, score three, four goals, and, and just carry Real Madrid or carry Juve. On a one-leg game, he's a guy that can put three goals in even when Juve aren't as sharp. And Messi can do the same thing for Barcelona when they aren't as sharp because we've seen it time and time again. So in a strange way, like, yes, like, obviously we we wouldn't want – we didn't want the, the normal format and traditional format of the Champions League knockout rounds to be altered. But I think it just really makes it more fascinating to see, like, what sort of approach we see from some of these teams and how they go about moving and maneuvering throughout this tournament. Another focus is going to be Bayern Munich, right? Bayern Munich have already had the, the, the title wrapped up. They haven't really been playing meaningful, meaningful games. PSG since just returned been, to training they, as well. Since, since exactly. So, so a lot of these teams, they got to, you have stoppage, then you had to come back, restart, win, and then you have a little bit of a delay, and then you got to come back and get and turn it on to go and play in the Champions League game on a big stage. Like a team like Bayern Munich, they, they haven't played a meaningful game since, what, the, Bayern, the Borussia Dortmund win, where they were, I think, seven points if, clear, and if, then they eventually won the title. If so, they win. Right? So, if, if they, listen, this is me. Let, me. let me grab the mic here one last time. If they win the Champions League, 
Robert Lewandowski for <laughs> yeah, Ballon d'Or. That's what I was going to ask. It's got to be. It's got to be. I agree. The goals he, I agree. One of three players, or one of two, one, uh, including Messi and Ronaldo, five straight 40-plus goal seasons. If he gets the Champions League too, and they win the German Cup, treble, Oh, yeah, nah, yeah, that's him. That's <laughs> it him. Is, it is. It's him. It's got to be him. But of course, the voting—you never know how it's going to go. But I just think this Champions League, because it's sun, no, it's that's so, it, man. That's it's the so final different. On him. The way that's it's structured is thing. so different than previous years. If you have a guy like Lewandowski who can score goals and do this, do that, it's between him and Messi, who else yeah, are we really it's gotta be. talking it's about gotta in be. this conversation? Look, I, I, I'm very excited for the Champions League. I, I kind of something fascinating. They at least have that second leg game against, knockout. Like, they had that second game against Chelsea, so that's beneficiary for them. That's a good 90 minutes to get in. They scored the three away goals. Like, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea really has to do a lot in that, um, and they're probably going to be worrying about making next year's Champions League. So who knows what they're able to do there? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's going to definitely be fascinating. That's still a few weeks away, so we'll talk about that more when that comes closer. But, Matt, it was another fun episode chatting with you. Yeah. um, Let the people know where they could follow you and uh, see more of your work. Sure. At Matt underscore Santangelo on Twitter. Um, Make sure you guys, if you guys aren't familiar or aware, we are um, on Facebook at State of Play Pod. We are also on Instagram at State of Play Pod, the same as our Twitter handle. Make sure you guys are following us on all our social media platforms, subscribing to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be found. Leave those reviews. They do help us a great deal in growing. And once again, we thank you for the support in the FCAs, and we hope to bring this, uh, this award back to you guys and, and you know, give, give that, uh, that uh, reciprocation here for the support you've given us. Yep. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Martino Pucci. You can follow Pet on Twitter as well. That'll be in the description of this episode. Thank you guys so much for all the support. We're going to keep on coming out with more episodes, hopefully more video analysis video as Pet just settles into his new place. But he's staying and he's got a bachelor pad now um, in London. Got to give so. me like an exclusive like MTV Cribs type we, like, we YouTube video where yeah, he shows yeah, us inside to get his pet set up. He seems pretty. He seems pretty hyped up about it. So this is um, this I'm is the corner I cry in when Arsenal lose in the 90th minute. Yeah, it, it looks it looks mm-hmm. dope, but it's looks maybe it's one of those things that's gonna kind of get the creative juices flowing even more, and you know oh, maybe yeah. bring some good uh, some good luck to Arsenal, which I know. Pet definitely needs it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully that goes down. Thank you guys so much for listening. So listen to some Joaquin on the way out. <laughs>